Welcome back to the Cast of Us, an untitled HBO The Last of Us podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, are you ready to get left behind? I am, buddy. I am. If anyone who is a fan of the game, you know what tonight's episode was going to entail. Yes, we are reviewing episode seven of The Last of Us left behind directed by liza johnson written by neil Druckmann. uh his return to writing the series because he wrote the first episode with craig mazin correct yes. uh, and then uh craig mazin has kind of taken over the writing duties for the majority of this series but neil Druckmann uh did write this episode uh which is partly very much like the downloadable content for the first uh last of us video game where this originally wasn't part of the game um and then was an add-on you could buy later which was told in the same sequence of winter when joel is injured uh it is a flashback story of uh, ellie's time right before she met joel and the time she spent with her best friend riley um I'm shocked that they were able to fit left behind in the first season of this show because I was skeptical that they were even going to be able to uh, basically adapt the first game in one season of television. But uh, color me impressed every week that they're able to kind of uh, subvert my expectations and pull things off uh, even better than I could have ever imagined. But uh, if you're new to this show, uh, welcome. Uh, we're already on episode seven. You can go back and listen to our first six recaps, reviews, and breakdowns. But each week, Eric and I uh, will break down the newest episode of The Last of Us at 10 p.m. Eastern, right as the episode airs or finished airing. Um, Eric is brand new to The Last of Us, never played the game. I am, I don't, I'm not going to call myself an expert, but I'm a huge fan of the game. An aficionado, um, if you will. Yeah, that has played it multiple times and is obsessed with this universe. So um, we do this full spoiler breakdown uh we will have no future spoilers so nothing for the last couple episodes as well as no spoilers from the you know future games and things like that uh eric i will kick it back over to you uh how'd you feel about episode seven of the last of us yeah so i'll sum it up uh sowing the seeds of love ellie's personal history told through flashback gives a brief glimpse of neon dreams lost Bella Ramsey reaps the rewards of pathos, proving once and for all that she was perfectly cast in the role. I absolutely agree, man. Um, like I was, this is much like we said last week was kind of the Joel highlight episode. I mean, the series itself has been a highlight for both of them, right? Like they're the two leads, their relationship developing, just them being both perfectly cast in our opinions. It took me a little longer to get on the, Bella Ramsey, uh, you know, train of her being Ellie, then maybe I think some people are in that same boat. But um, I, I agree with you. I think this was her episode, obviously being a flashback told from her perspective. Um, and she just absolutely crushed it, dude, to see this kind of part of the game so faithfully adapted um everything in that mall and the five wonders of the mall and things like that and, and riley that character just be so perfectly adapted um you know slight changes from the game based on i mean much like the rest of the series like taking out some action sequences rearranging some things but still being so purely adapted like everything from Etta james's i got you babe is that dance sequence is straight from the game uh, you know the the arcade the the masks the um like it's it's all just 
they do such a good job of making it feel like it's ripped from the game, but also feeling like its own thing. And um, yeah, Bella Ramsey and uh, uh, just absolutely crushes it. This and episode. Storm Reed. Uh, Storm are, are Reed, both, yes, uh, yeah, is really fantastic good. as well. Um, do you want to just get into the breakdown or do you have any more thoughts before we uh, kick it off? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that um, is worth talking about, and, and I'll get into it more because I think flashbacks in general are a hard sell um, at times when it comes to storytelling, because it's usually a pretty lazy way of getting, you know, a personal history of somebody or backstory sort of, you know, inserted into a narrative. And it, and it kind of is the laziest way of doing things when you're, when you're writing a script. Um, but within the context of this episode, it works because one, you have Joel who is incapacitated at this moment and, and not dead. You know, Everyone thought no, maybe at the end of last week, but he's he was, fighting but... for his life and, and he's yeah. in, he's in a, a state that, you know, he's, he can't really do anything. My mom and, will continue watching. If everyone saw that yeah. text message she sent me on Twitter and watching it as well. I could also see a lot of people being frustrated with this episode because it, it, it could be considered a time filler or, 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 or waster to get to fair you know, Joel coming back and it's like, okay, well now I have to wait a whole other episode to see kind of what happens with this. And this was all just, you know, more character development. But again, this is important to Ellie's story and also seeing it from the perspective of Ellie being kind of molded into a potential Fedra officer and having political beliefs and ideology that's been fed to her, you know, in, in this military, you know, complex. So when you're watching this, the Ellie you're seeing in this flashback is still somewhat defending Fedra in, in a yeah. way that I think is kind of interesting where you're, you're seeing Firefly, you know, uh, Riley, as we come to learn has been recruited by the Fireflies. And so her ideology is changing, um, you know, Ellie is still kind of on the fence about it and having this kind of back and forth about their politics, but then also sort of their own relationship and, and their friendship and sort of where that goes, you're, you're, you're getting another kind of capsule episode in the way that part three was it's, it's more self-contained because it's in a memory and in thinking about how, you know, this character Anytime Ellie gets close to somebody, you know, tragedy always happens. Mm. And so, you know, the, the idea of kind of using your sense of humor or developing a, a shield in order to combat some of that stuff, because Ellie in the flashback, while stubborn and, you know, a, a little bit um, obnoxious, isn't as quippy. I think in, yep. in in the flashback, so we, we kind of now also see why you know maybe she's a little bit more a defense mechanism, yeah, and like that too, yeah. And, and so, and, and also again, this is really important: is that this was being set up in episode two when Tess is talking to say that too, yeah, to Ellie about you know going into the Boston Mall and and, and you I, know hanging out there. So, and I think that's why I think this flashback episode works so much because they're are a lot of payoffs if you were really paying attention to the conversations, whether, I mean, us 
people who have played the game knew this was coming based on those conversations and things like that. But people who do remember that conversation with Tess, who do remember uh, Ellie finding the Mortal Kombat cabinet and and talking about that uh, with Joel, um, numerous times throughout the series of her mentioning, you know, a friend that she had, or even in the last episode, the payoff to that conversation where she has with Joel, the really emotional conversation where Joel, she brings up Joel's daughter and Joel goes, you have no idea what loss is. And Ellie's come back and being like, what we just said, everyone I've, I cared about has either died or left me. And like, I feel like that's why this flashback episode works so much and doesn't feel like just filler for me or like, and maybe you could go, well, we already sort of got this from Ellie's conversations with other people where did we need a whole episode to show that? But I do think like much like we said with, when we meet Bill and Frank and, and, even Henry and Sam and all the kind of side characters or guest characters that we meet throughout the show. Um, it, it really funnels back to Joel and Ellie's relationship and ultimately where the end of the series is going. So I've even obviously this book ended by Joel being, you know, hurt, but alive in this house at the beginning and Ellie deciding, you know, Joel wants her to leave him and just go because he thinks he's a goner and that like, um, basically wants to protect her. So he just go back to Tommy, he tells her and Ellie not giving up. And I feel like, so even this whole thing of, of her relationship with Riley and, and what she went through there and her discovering that she's immune when, you know, it's not shown on screen, but something we've talked about often that sometimes you don't need to show every you don't need to show Riley turning on screen and things like that you could just you you know what happened and you know that's when Ellie discovers that she's immune but her best friend and and romantic interest uh she thought she was going to die with her and they were going to turn together and then obviously she didn't and probably had to similarly you know, we talked about even Ellie saying like, I've had to hurt someone before or shoot people before. And like that was alluding to maybe even Riley, right? Because she might've had to do something there, but we don't see it. And I think even that is powerful. Um, and it all goes back to, you know, like I was just saying, Ellie's decision at the end to not leave Joel. She doesn't want to end up alone. She start, is cares about this guy now and doesn't want to just leave him to die. She wants to save him. So like, um, I think the episode completely works and, and, you know, is, was a weirdly, again, like many of these episodes, like you could have even said last week's was kind of like this too, where you're fine. You're getting an episode that's not chill, but is like a little uplifting, right? Like you're going, Oh, okay. Like this is nice. They're, they're at a mall. They have this relationship. Sure. They're talking about their best friends, but you know, Riley planned this uh, amazing kind of date night sort of thing for, for Ellie and knowing that she was going to have to leave her and they were best friends. And, um, obviously that develops to something else, but like this really cute night of showing her these five wonders of the mall and you're getting kind of a, not a, feel good but as feel good as you could possibly get in in an episode of the last of us and then much like the last of us every ending of an episode kind of has to tear your heart out uh, i don't think it can just end on a nice note right um so i think it's consistent in that sense and i feel like everything goes back to joel and ellie's relationship and and their characters and um i think this episode does a really really good job with that um that being said, let's get into those five wonders 
of the mall. Uh, the episode starts after the credits, no cold open again. I'll keep pointing that out because I think that was just very much a first couple episode thing. Um, we open on a horse inside of a house. Well, um, first we and, see in like a garage. Well, we see the, 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 so it, we're basically outside of Salt Lake city at this point. Yes. And we Snowy see kind of a, the remains a of a, a, a ghost town, um, yeah. community where you know everything's been picked over and abandoned and um this is one of those cliche things as well that i kind of found not a, a again a deal breaker in any way but the 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 blood trail um from sure the, the you know in the snow out, in the whatever. snow to yeah. the house it's such a weird thing because like thinking about, okay, well, Joel, they were, they were probably still on the horse as they were going. Cause it, it almost looks like she dragged him like the way that the blood kind of is spattered on yeah. the, on the snow and almost more, more looks like a dragging than like, you know, just blood continually coming out and the way that it's, yeah. it's on the ground. Well, if Joel was on the horse, a lot of it would probably s- still be like soaking into his clothing. Um, so not to say that it, some of it wouldn't get it on would the have ground. dripped a little bit, but it did look like someone was dragged through the snow, even yeah. the way that the tracks are. And, and maybe, oh, well he did fall off the horse, right? Which we know at the end of the last episode and maybe Ellie couldn't have gotten him back on the horse. So we don't know if she, she could have dragged him if they were close right. to, that's what it looks like. If you're even looking at the tracks in the snow, um, it's sort of looks like he was dragged by ellie because i had imagined she couldn't get him back on the horse so whether she tied him to the horse and dragged him that way right or because the the, the tracks body, though don't look like a horse like a horse it almost looks like a tire track like a sled or something like yeah. that like a sled or yeah it looks like a yeah so she might have put him on something and dragged him anyways it's this derelict town this derelict house um uh, blood trail into the house. It cuts to a horse uh, inside of this house. Um, you see bicycles and and obviously Ellie and Joel's uh, backpacks and a bloody mattress and things like that. And then we cut to uh, Ellie working, you know, to save Joel. Um, he's bleeding from his stomach still. Um, she's trying to put pressure on the wound. Uh, he is struggling uh, immensely. Uh, this is the moment that I just dis- discussed where he basically is telling Ellie, like, leave me, go back to Tommy. Go north. You know, he'll, yeah, go north to Tommy. And she's flustered and and frustrated and sad. Uh, he literally has to push her away when she says, like, shut the fuck up, Joel. Um, and it doesn't look like she wants to leave him. She puts his jacket on top of him and, you know, great acting from both Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Um, but you can tell in that moment that like, even though Joel still just wants to protect Ellie and he, I think this goes back to his fears, which he talked about in the last episode of, of failing her and that he's just going to die or get her killed. Um, you can only imagine in this moment, like he started to have those, we said those building moments of those confident moments at the end of last episode where he, you know, he shoots the target right in the center. He's, he, he's feeling like he can protect Ellie's with her. They're laughing together and, and they're building that relationship. But then ultimately he still gets shanked by that guy, even though he does save her from them. So in this moment, I can only assume all those fears and that failure that he talked about in the last episode are coming up, which he's still just trying to push her away. Um, and Ellie might even take that as like, you don't believe that I can, you know, save you. 
kind of thing. I don't it, possibly, but and Miss Ellie might even doubt it based on this flashback that we're we're about to get. So well, at the, at the end of the last episode too, right? You you had Ellie basically being like, "I don't know what I don't know what to do. I, like I'm, I'm yeah, I I need you to do this. Like I'm I can't be on my own." Absolutely. So Ellie goes up the stairs. Uh, she opens the door from this basement that Joel is in. Uh, and then we cut back to, we don't get a timeline of when this is, uh, but it seems to be, you know, a couple months probably before, um, she meets up with Marlene and, and Joel and, and, and Tess. Uh, so Ellie is running around in a school gymnasium. She's listening to what's the song. Do you have it? Eric? All or none by oh, Pearl by Jam, Pearl uh, Jam. Okay. On, and a Walkman. Yeah. On a Sony Walkman. Uh, and I think that's a little nod to uh, the use of Pearl Jam in The Last of Us Part Two, um, which I don't think we are going to get um, because of the time period change. Um, uh, I'm trying to. Am I? What's it's Better Days is the song, right? Is that what it is? Um, God, everyone's going to be for Last of Us Two. I'll get it in a second. Yeah, yeah. It's Last of Us Two. You're on your right. own on that one. <laughs> I can only two, tell you. I know why am I asking right. you? I'm uh not uh future days, sorry. Um and is future days Pearl Jam, right? Yeah, future days Pearl Jam. Yeah, I'm right. Okay, I got it, everyone. I said better days, it's future days Pearl Jam, which comes out after 2003, meaning and it's an integral part. That's not a spoiler, everyone. It's an integral part of The Last of Us Part Two. So I think this is their little nod, tip of the hat to them, uh, uh, to Pearl Jam, which I'm curious if they'll still use Pearl Jam in whenever the second season comes around or if they'll find a different song by a different artist. But um, I like that she's listening to Pearl Jam here. She's running around a gymnasium. Obviously, it's some sort of uh, you know uh, military school, like we mentioned. Um she another kid in in her class is kind of an asshole to her rips bethany. her walkman off of bethany fucking bethany um rips her walkman off and then is just kind of a a prick to her um and basically ellie just goes crazy on her uh they get into a fight they beat the shit out of each other you ellie don't see any clearly, of this though that's that's yeah. the thing so what it's also setting yeah. it up is that um you know Bethany's like okay well you know I don't want pick up the pace I don't want to continue to do this and then yeah. um you know Bethany uh Ellie's like I don't really want to fight and and Bethany's like you can't fight like your friend's the one that does the fighting and then right. it kind of cues it in a way where it's like the cut is like as soon as um you know the 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 fight's about to begin it cuts it to cuts. um Ellie in uh, the cap in Captain uh, uh, Quan's uh, office, uh, waiting for um, whatever sentence or or, or punishment is going to be handed down. Yeah, Ellie has a black eye. Uh, she's meeting with this Fedra officer. Um, he basically, you know, classic kind of going to the principal's office kind of thing, where or a guidance counselor or something like that, where they kind of go like, "What do you? What the fuck are you doing? You're better than this. You could do anything. You if you put your mind to it, kind of thing." Even though it's coming from the Fedra side of things, of being like, "Listen, do you want to be 
shoveling shit or do you want to be an officer that gets to have easy days, air conditioning in the summer, heating in the winter, uh, basically just, you know, doing your part or, and then do you want to be the one in like basically, uh, in control of the Bethany's of the world, or do you want them to be the ones kind of, uh, you know, leading things? Um, I think this is how the kind of conversation goes. It's that classic, like young kid who's not applying themselves kind of thing. Yeah. I've done right? every, I was waiting for, so Terry Chen's the name of the actor who, uh, yeah. uh plays the captain and he's most recently was in, uh, Viggo Mortensen's falling. Um, I was waiting for him to like turn his chair the other way and sit in it and be like, yeah. okay, kid, let's, <laughs> have, yeah. let's have this moment. Yeah. But I, but I, what I really do like in that scene while she's sitting in the office is that she turns the, the photo of his family towards yeah. her. And then when he mm-hmm. comes in, he turns it around. And when he's giving that whole speech about being an officer or being a grunt, he starts off with a, you know, a like this is just like an actor prop kind of thing with a with a mug and puts the mug on one side. And it's like, you know, this is grunt life, blah, blah, blah. And says what yeah. you just said. And then, you know, or and then takes, you know, the keys the and keys, then puts the keys yeah. on the table and, you know, gives the speech about you being, can you have know, the key to control. It, yeah. Yeah, and the keys. I think there's a little reference to the Naughty Dog logo, or maybe yes, it's on. It's on like that. It's like the keychain, right? Yeah. Um. So I thought that was a, a cute thing, but yeah, it's that classic kind of yeah, young young kid who doesn't apply themselves and is like, well, what do you want to do, Ellie? Basically, like, you know, you're you're good, but you're kind of a you feel like you're almost too good kind of thing. You're that's you're why so her smart, attitude you're stupid. comes from. Yeah, that kind of thing, which is we've all heard before. And yeah. and I but I like it in this situation, especially coming from Fedra, right? It's still the government who's in charge here. She's an orphan at this point. Um, and basically like, you know, we're in control of your life here. Either apply yourself and you can have the keys to the kingdom or you can kind of just uh, be shoveling. You'll be shit shoveling kind of shit, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um Ellie asks to have her Walkman back and basically says that she she'll go along with this or whatever, just because like, you know, what other choice does she really have? Um, it's basically like the best of the worst kind of thing. So then she we cut to her bedroom uh, at this military school. Um, we see some drawings of uh, dinosaurs and different things on the wall. We see the first uh, no pun. uh uh, intended, intended book, yeah. um, uh, no pun intended book that says this otter be good. And then there's a photo of an otter. Love a good otter reference. Love a good otter pun. Otters, my favorite animal. So I'm thrilled with this. Um, we see Ellie reading a savage starlight. Um, again, calling back to, uh, that episode with Henry and Sam, um, of her collecting these comics. We see her reading it and we see some illustrations from there. Um, as she is either sleeping or lies down um, to go to bed, uh, we see someone breaking into oh, her. Uh, just a quick thing. An- another thing that's also worth mentioning, uh, and it's a cutaway or an insert shot, is of the cassettes of Ella James and Aha yeah. uh, on the table, yeah. which will be the soundtrack of this episode. Yeah, we see an Aha cassette and an Etta James cassette, correct? Yeah. Ella James, yeah. Um, is it Ella James or Etta? Let me I just it was double, Edda. Ch- double But I could be an idiot. I got you not Sonny and Cher. <laughs> Edda James. I was right. E T T A. Yeah. Edda James. Um well, finally oh, I'm mi- right I was, for I was once, mistaking not, uh, it with Ella King, maybe. 
Yeah, uh, it's okay. I mean, finally I was right and you were wrong. Usually you're the one correcting me. So, um, yeah, we do see that insert shot of those songs, which we'll hear a bit later in the episode. So Ellie goes to bed. Uh, it seems like in the middle of the night, someone at about two in the morning, one fifty-three to be exact. Again, um, playing someone- with time, right? Like in, yeah, in the first yeah. episode where we see, you know, Joel's life before outbreak day and and sarah's perspective about going to bed and then waking up might have even been the same time or a similar time when yeah around 2 a.m yep Mm -hmm. it was 2 a.m um we see a mortal Kombat 2 poster on the wall which is a callback to that uh, ellie talking about that in the um grocery store or the the farmer's market that she's in and we'll see that later in the episode as well um someone breaks into ellie's uh room uh, at this point, could be someone trying to attack her or anything like that, uh, puts their hand over her mouth, uh, and basically it is revealed that it is her friend, uh, Riley, who ran away months ago um, and Ellie hasn't seen in in quite some time, scares the shit out of Ellie. Ellie pulls out her switchblade. Um, Riley says, like, oh, I thought you would have liked it. I was just trying to kind of pull a prank on you. Um, Ellie's been like, where the fuck have you been? Um, they basically have a conversation that Riley left because, uh, she, is this where she reveals what she was assigned to? Or is that later? No, that's later Um, at the merry-go-round. Um, but, but in this scene as well, uh, um, Ellie mentions that she's been gone for three weeks. Um, I'm just, I'm just reading basically off my notes. Uh, there's a great no, inner please, space yeah. poster, uh, on, on yeah, I saw that. Yeah. uh, side of the room. But again, the other thing that I think is a really important piece of, of just knowing like the time that Riley's been gone is just seeing the other side of the room with the made bed and everything kind of like lit in a way that's like, Oh, it hasn't been used in a while. Um, yeah. and that's where they again, were roommates. Yeah. It's a very subtle thing of being like, okay, well, you know, this other person who, you know, is, is, is a roommate hasn't been here for so long. And to the point where it's like, it just looks like this is a completely unused side of the room. Yeah. So, um, they kind of have a long conversation where Ellie is sort of upset at Riley for running away. Um, but Riley, you know, explains that she's been recruited by the, the fireflies and, and, um, Basically, that's what she's been doing. Uh, but she wants Ellie to come with her and have a great night. She's like, just come with me, have a great night, even though Ellie seemed pissed at Riley and doesn't really want to go. Um, obviously, clearly missed her friend, but um, still mad that she just ran away without saying anything and just left her left behind. Um, left her behind here. So Ellie reluctantly agrees, um, saying that she needs to be back early for whenever her wake up call is, but that she will go with Riley. Um, so they leave out of Ellie's window and Riley goes like, don't worry. These guys are morons. They're not going to be patrolling. There's going to be no one out on the streets, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, Oh, in that conversation as well, uh, Riley does see Ellie's black eye and they talk about the fight with, Bethany, um, as well as, uh, you know, what happened there. And then she already fucked, um, uh, uh, Bethany up and cause, uh, yeah, Riley was, she's in the inf- Yeah. She's like, Oh yeah. Riley said, I'll, I'll go in and fuck her up. And then Ellie's like, well, I already did. She's been in the infirmary for like a, a week or something. Right. Or yeah. And also in this scene before they leave, um, 
uh, Ellie changes and then Ellie asks Riley not to look when changing and Riley's like, you're all, you kind of act weird when you say when you do that. Yeah. No, I like that, uh, hinting at that. So they leave out of the window immediately. A Fedra patrol <laughs> comes by, um, and she's like, well, they're not that fucking stupid because like immediately <laughs> they almost get caught by the Fedra officers. Um, but they're able to dodge out of the way. Um, they walk, uh, down some alleyways, um, uh, and just basically catch up uh, on things as they're walking. Carol, um, there's there's a talk, conversation about Carol, like picking and choosing your fights. And then um, uh, they talk about how Riley, you know, beat up Carol so badly that she was right. in the intensive ward for a while. Um, no, that's the conversation I was yeah. thinking of, not Bethany. But yes, thank you. Where yeah. um, Riley talked about beating the shit out of Carol. Um, they climb through a uh, a window and uh, go into like an abandoned apartment building. Uh, Ellie makes a joke about the rusty mailboxes and is like, is this what you wanted to show me? They're amazing. And like, um, basically, uh, I like the flashlight bit here because, um, it's straight from the games. You had to do this weird thing in the video games where, uh, if your flashlight was going out, like it is there, you had to shake your controller (laughs) to make it like basically bang on the flashlight to get it work again. Uh, Riley makes a joke about how fire five flashlights are uh, better. better. And then Ellie goes uh, one point for the anarchists. Um, They go upstairs uh, to the first uh, is yeah. They go up uh, a couple floors. They see a man who is uh, Ellie in that scene says, is this the joke about how, how far are we going up or whatever? Yeah. And then it's like, they're on, it's like the seventh floor because the, the door says like seven, a, it's like only a a couple of uh, flights. I like the callback here and you see the relationship between, uh, you know, Riley and Ellie and the relationship between Joel and Ellie. Cause the same thing kind of happened when, uh, you know, they had to go up and, and Joel was going, how far up do we have to go? Or Ellie asked him the same thing and they had to go. Uh, it was almost seven floors as well, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, with Joel's bad knees. Uh, so I like the call back there. Um, they turned down a hallway and you, it's revealed with their flashlight that there is a, uh, a corpse in the hallway on the ground. He's kind of sitting dead, um, does not look to be infected at this point. Um, so they walk over to him and they find that he has pills in one hand and a bottle of whiskey, I believe, in the other hand. Um, so clearly overdosed or just mixed the pills in the, uh, or and suicide. the alcohol to either. Yeah, it looks like it was intentional is what they said. Um, so they steal the whiskey. They smell it. Um, they go, oh, this isn't moonshine. This seems like what it came from before. Like it was an actual bottle of whiskey from um, pre outbreak and they're like oh he must have spent every uh what do they call it every like uh food stamp he had for this basically every stamp he had um this moment you know it's happened a couple times on this series which is very video gamey um but not necessarily believable is when something conveniently collapses (laughs) either as (laughs) characters enter a room or right after they they deal with him so like right where this man is sitting um, right after they take the whiskey from him, uh, for a jump scare, uh, the floor conveniently collapses where he is and his body falls to the ground. I, I like it as a, as a moment between these two characters, like laughing at the, um, 
absurdity, but like also showing that this world that they live in, like death is very normal. People deal with it. You see dead bodies and it doesn't affect you all that much because of all the other fucked up shit you have to deal with and see. Um, but the floor collapsing is the one thing like it happened in the museum, right? As they entered the one room with the clickers, the, the outside collapses right as they go through and it's it's a very video game thing so you don't backtrack or you don't go to a certain area or it's just for a jump scare so but it's also just a horror movie thing too right like it's a genre thing where you know in this case he's not infected so he's not going to come back to life and like you know attack them scare you somehow yeah, so it's like let's just have the floor floor cave in, which I mean is it's I guess somewhat believable, but like at the same time it's like wouldn't all of the floor cave in and not just yes. like the one part because that's mainly my thing. It's two. a nitpicky thing. It's very stupid. Like who cares? Yeah. But I still uh I, I I don't know. It's just something that you're like, yeah, okay. This show very obviously not realistic, uh, but could be realistic. More and more people are talking about that. The way that they try to explain the science could be true maybe it wouldn't happen exactly like this but it's those types of things that just go oh yeah okay this is based on a video game for me which is fine it's just a very nitpicky thing so anyways they go up to the roof of this building um to share this bottle of whiskey um which they both don't seem to like but you know as kids i remember being a teenager um you know, stealing my uh, a bottle of booze from one of our parents or something. And it reminded me of that, of like two teenagers where you wander the streets. And, and we used to do this and we weren't in a post-apocalyptic wasteland where things could kill us. But Well, you were in Oshawa park. still. Yeah, it's pretty close, right? Yeah, good, good, <laughs> good bit. Um, yeah, walking around Oshawa, um, just drinking from, you know, a bottle of whatever fucking green apple vodka or some bullshit. Ugh. Um, awful, just awful stuff. Um, so anyways, I like this, that it reminded me of that kind of thing, even of them going into the mall and, um, this story of like, that's what kids, at least me and my friends would do. And I think many other kids, when you didn't want to be at home, because there were rules at home, you would sneak out of the house or stay out late. Um, and you would just go wander the streets with your friends. You would go into a I remember one time, Eric, we tried climbing up to the roof of an Arby's and um, <laughs> and we got caught by the security and um, had to run away from, you know, uh, it's just a bunch of dumb shit you do as a teenager and as a kid. Um, so I kind of like that this captured that in this episode of two best friends, even in this world, still wanting to do that. Well, there's so even a fantasy the... element to it, though, as well, right? Like the idea of like spending a night in the mall and doing whatever you want and having fun. Like it's it's one of those things where I think, you know, when you are in that age group, that's kind of one of uh, those scenarios that you always think of in, in your head and kind of like, you know, getting to do the things that, you know, when, when your parents aren't around or when authority figures aren't around that you can get away with. And like, just like that idea of, uh, you know, running around carefree and kind of being a latchkey kid in, in that way. Yeah. And even if they don't have that memory of what a mall is, I guess they still have what a mall means. Right. And like, or the things that are in that mall, like you, we see Ellie with the you know uh, Mortal Kombat poster and some of those movie posters. So it's like they know the history of what things were like before and what a mall probably represented. So I feel like that would still be appealing. Um, but we do find out later that they think the mall is littered with infected, which is why people don't go into that mall. Um, 
I will say in the game as well, um, the sequence is not, I don't know if it's intercut, but it's also different than in the show where Ellie is trying to find uh, like antibiotics for Joel. So she goes into a mall in Colorado where a helicopter, like a military or a medical helicopter has crashed. And she's trying to make her way through that mall to get the antibiotics for Joel. So that's kind of where the memory of this other mall comes. But they kind of take that out of this story, um, which involved Ellie like fighting off some other uh, raiders and infected and stuff like that. So they just kind of took everything out there and just focused on the Riley and um, Ellie story in the flashback sequence. Um, so they're up on the roof, uh, sharing the whiskey. Uh, Ellie wants to hold Riley's gun and Riley's like, ah, they kind of told me that, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to anyone else to touch it. And then Ellie they told me they're not allowed to touch it. And she's like, just give me your fucking gun. And then, so I like that moment of that. She does give Ellie the gun and you can kind of even see her fascination at this point, which then again, goes back to again all those little moments i think are payoff from all the things that they built up with her relationship with joel right and we're seeing the origins of a lot of that um with her friendship with riley here um so then ellie in a classic like teenager who has a crush on someone kind of thing um is both trying to get information of why she ran off to the fireflies but also trying to get information about like uh who she's interested in dating and things like that, where she goes, Oh, so what happened? Did you find this uh, firefly guy and run off and marry him? And then that's why you wanted, or no run off and be with him to join the fireflies. And Riley's like, Oh yeah, we're married now. Kind of thing. Like being sarcastic, um, back to her. Um, so again, I like this back and forth between them where you both see that their close friendship. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's just me projecting because I played the games and know how, you know that ellie is is gay and that her relationship with riley was romantic that maybe i'm going i'm reading into that more i don't know if people who didn't know like you knew before this that ellie was gay right Eric? yeah yeah and then so i but i knew sure it through if, like, you because like you yeah. know you've talked about the you know the sh- the the video game and or the two games in, in yeah. detail in yeah. terms of the the relationship and like in part two like you know she's in a relationship with um spoiler alert for the no spoilers part but two um she but, yeah she has a relationship in the second game yeah, yeah. But, and i don't think it's spoiler. like ellie's on the cover of the second game everyone all right okay that's not a spoiler um i yeah i just this show showcasing gay relationships i think both with the uh, bill and frank episode and in this episode um like uh i think is we're getting more and more of it on TV, especially mainstream TV. But like, um, it's just interesting that The Last of Us being, you know, uh, you know, this hugely popular game and things like that. And this is it, it's a prominent thing in both the video game and the show, which I love. So, but it also I don't know. But I, maybe I'm reading into this thing is, is well. No, that's what like I think is well. great, right? It is a a big deal, but it's, it's also just part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't. It's not this huge even revelation i think it just plays it like it's any two teenagers uh flirting and having a crush and, and stuff like that which I and one being a little bit older than the other one as well right yeah kind of ellie also looking up to riley but also kind of being mad at her still about leaving and then you you 
do have more of that political um, ideology, that fight between sort of Fedra and, and the Fireflies and what it means to be, you know, an anarchist versus, uh, uh, you know, a, a dictatorship and fascism and things like that. And that's this other conversation that's going on through this entire episode sequence yeah you know well well, yeah yeah, especially the the whole episode but you know because because again it's just interesting to think like you know ellie was coming at this like the way that we were first introduced to her like you know she is somewhat apprehensive towards the fireflies having locked her up but it makes even more sense that like her being conditioned um by fedra for so long and and only knowing fedra even though the fireflies put her there um that a lot of that would wear off, even though she is still rebellious within the confines of, you know, this institution. She's still a young kid. Right. And that's what she's taught in this school. So of course you're going to believe it. It's even like, you know, ask many different people of how they feel about modern government today. (laughs) You know, we're taught everything is, is for a reason. And I feel like you're susceptible to a lot of that when you're younger and you don't question things as much, although you do question a lot as well. Right. So it is that kind of, uh, both things. So in this conversation, I think Ellie asked Riley, like why and like what happened and how she joined the fireflies. I think, um, uh, basically, um, there's talk of Marlene, uh, but not her name's not said. She says that an older woman in her forties or maybe fifties saw her, saw that she was sneaking out of a solitary, solitary confinement in the hole. And that she was really good at kind of a, a avoiding, you know, getting caught, and that she would be perfect to join, uh, to be recruited. Yeah. And then at least like, it just, it, that's easy as that. They just kind of, you know, you know, they just recruit you that easily. And she's like, yeah, that's how it happens. So, um, this is like you said throughout the whole episode, you get some of Ellie questioning this and saying, well, the fireflies are are terrorists, and they, you know, they blow up buildings and you know you know there's argument to be made of what they're doing is good or bad and you can kind of see that uh from ellie's perspective here and but she obviously cares about her friend and wants to hear her side of things and and but doesn't like maybe some of the the violence and it's much like we've seen you know even with kathleen's group which weren't fireflies but ultimately went up against fedra and you could say like well they're going up against the fascists who were you know rapists and murderers and 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 brutalizing people and and but then you saw how ruthless and brutal kathleen's group was too right so it's just like this whole conversation of who is the good guy who is the bad guy i think is a constant throughout this series which i think is a really interesting conversation to have that will continue to have this entire season and throughout this entire series um and is there any good guys or bad guys really um there are good guys and bad guy things that happen but um it's very much a gray area in this world well a gray zone man Um, because they're living in the qz you know gray mm -hmm. zone quarantine zone yeah yeah, thank you. No so anyways, no uh yeah, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> so uh Riley they finish this conversation and Riley goes, "Okay, let's go." And then uh they're jumping across uh the rooftops, which I like of um again, call back to Ellie not being really afraid of walking across that wooden beam, right? So yeah. you're starting to get some of those character moments that we got from Ellie and where they come from. And maybe she would have been afraid, but her best friend Riley is the one that's just like, fuck it, let's go. Let's just do this. And then uh, 
Ellie being a follower at this moment too to Riley. Um, I love when people are so jumping f- over things. It's just there's something about it that I kind of love. Like it reminds me of um, really in Tremors yeah. when they're pole vaulting yeah. over the rocks and you see them kind of all at once, like going from one rock yeah. to another. Just simple things like that, I think, is a lot of fun in terms of how, you know, somebody would get from one place to another in a period where transportation is, you know, there, there, there's there's no way to sort of drive or take and you don't want to be seen either. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so I like that where these, yeah, these buildings are close enough and Riley knows this, that you can kind of, you know, even alluding to how she was so good at sneaking around and why the fireflies recruited her, right? Like knowing these routes over these rooftops where there would be no Fedra patrols or anything like that. Um, they eventually get to, uh, the end of their journey here, which is pretty quick. And then she's like, okay, this is what I wanted to show you, which they see a view of the mall from above. Uh, Ellie goes, this is what you wanted the fucking mall. She's like, they sealed that up ages ago and that it's riddled with infected and things like that. And then she's uh, Riley goes, well, if it was sealed off, then why isn't it sealed off? And then it cuts to them uh, going in through a, what seems like a hole in the roof um of the mall so they sneak in um riley mentions to ellie that uh she wants to show her something um and basically tells her to just fucking she's like just go in that other room and tell me when you're there um there's also before just before then though as well when they're still on the roof there's that conversation about how um, the fireflies bomb that one area and um how ellie is still kind of apprehensive about, you know, what Riley is doing and how yeah. the fireflies, you know, will like how basically Fedra is starving its people. And then Fedra and then the fireflies are bombing locations and killing yeah. soldiers or things like that. And it's like, well, you know, we, we, and there try could be collateral to, damage there too. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then with the mall thing as well, it's important because in the, before they go to the mall, there's that, line about how um you shouldn't always believe everything you're told you know from riley and i think that's another really uh, important piece of of info there i agree um thank you for pointing that out but yeah that goes back to kind of that whole thing of like who's the good guy who's the bad guy are they both doing bad things kind of thing um they go into the mall Riley explains that, you know, what's going on. And then they're kind of still arguing back and forth. And she's like, just, just go, just fucking trust me and go. Ellie makes a joke about Riley uh, luring her there to kill her. It's that classic kind of like back and forth between best friends who are kind of being asses to one another, but you know, it's kind of out of love. If that makes sense. Like um, someone you really care about or really close to, I think, it's that not teasing, but just that forceful kind of like, just fucking do it. Just trust me kind of thing. So Ellie goes out again, her flashlights busted um, as she goes out and then Riley flips onto the power of the mall and you get this great shot of Ellie looking into the darkness. But then as all the lights in the mall start to come on and you get that kind of gorgeous, especially for someone who probably, you know, there's electricity in the QZ and things like that. But this place like a mall that would be this giant thing to them and all these lights, both neon and warm and just all light up in the mall from this world that you've 
were never a part of. And it was probably this almost like this dream, right? So uh, I really like this moment as all the stores and it's all broken down and busted and um, basically just Ellie being mesmerized by these lights coming on. I really like this moment. Yeah. And, and Riley also mentions that um, because they they've brought more people into this QZ in Boston that they've had to open up um, more sort of areas and turn on uh, the electricity within the grids and so that's okay. why the the power to the mall power would work would work and also like there's a question there of like oh wouldn't fedra be able to detect that we're using and it's like no they don't they don't notice because it's just brand new like the area is kind of still um you know in in its early stages of being set up so they wouldn't even notice yeah thank you for pointing that out cuz yeah i get i like that line of dialogue because you'd the mall also seems to have like gl- a glass roof as well at certain points. So you go like, well, wouldn't they notice that all these lights turned on? <laughs> um, do the yeah. lights outside of the mall turn on X, Y, Z. So I, I just like that of, you know, people, they know people will call that out. So yeah. put a line of dialogue in there to kind of suspension of disbelief. Right. Um, this is when aha's take on me uh, kicks in, which anyone fan of the second game knows that that's also, a nod to the second game. I love that they're planting the seeds for some of these things and making again, where take on me in the second game, no spoilers. Um, doesn't really have, um, like we don't know where it comes from, from Ellie, like other than she probably just enjoyed the song where I like that they're planting the seeds here for when that moment in last of us part two happens with take on me, you kind of know where that comes from and her love of that song and things like that. And same with Pearl Jam, if they end up using Pearl Jam um, and, uh, and and Etta James, obviously, at the end of the episode. But um, I love that they are planting the seeds. The one thing the series has done a really good job of is if you know where this story's going, um, they're doing a much better job of giving you hints of that or setting up things much earlier, making the themes work a lot better and, and will be more cohesive um, and having those payoffs be actual payoffs in in the second season and, and part two when they were just great moments in their own right from part two. But I like that they're able to look at this whole story and they're probably even making Last of Us part three right now. That's the rumor that with Neil Druckmann working on last of us part three, which is why ultimately I think he's only written a couple episodes of this show while still being obviously a consultant and working on it with Craig Mazin, but Craig Mazin being the leading force behind the whole thing. Um, I really do think they're able to look at part one with part two that already came out and had reactions, good or bad, uh, mostly good critically, but, mixed audience wise um and then part it's kind of like the last jedi of, of the things where it's like all right we'll get into that much later yeah. um and then them writing part three i think will really help this feel like this really cohesive kind of thing anyways um going off on a side tangent so aha kicks in uh, the escalator turns on. I love this moment of being like, oh, we I forgot to set it up, but um, Riley does say that she's brought Ellie here to show her the five wonders of the mall or four. Well, she wonders says of four. The mall, yeah. Which turn, yeah. Which then turns into five uh, once Ellie goes, is this it? Like when she sees uh, she says move electronic stairs. Is that what she calls an escalator? Um, 
So Ellie is mesmerized by the escalator, uh, is like thrilled, absolutely thrilled with it, running up and down. Um, and you can kind of just see Riley being like, this is adorable. This is amazing that she cares so much about this thing. Um, so she goes, okay, it's now five wonders of the mall. This is the first one. Um, I, I kind of like that. Um, this also, I think is important just like with the setting probably being the closest thing to maybe referencing Dawn of the dead in terms of just the location. Sure. And you mentioned, cause you mentioned the helicopter from the, that was omitted in George Romero's version of Dawn of the dead. The, the main cast of characters uh, take a helicopter and fly to this abandoned mall and um, land on the top of the roof and spend time within and kind of build a life uh, around the amenities that are that are available to them. Um, so watching this, I mean, even Zack Snyder's film, you know, kind of copies a lot of of Romero's movie, but just setting it in this location, you could probably understand why maybe some people with even this episode, but even before would consider it a, a, a zombie series, even though it's there, you know, again, the infected are not zombies, but yeah. this episode I think is referencing Donna. Oh, totally. And if it, and even if it isn't doing it intentionally, it's hard not, not to, to think about it because of yeah. the mall being such an important part of that original film and even the remake. So it's, it's like when you, when you set, you know, a uh, uh, a scenario or a movie or a TV show in a location that post apocalyptic of- thing with, um, some monsters that are trying to kill you. Yeah. No matter that's what been they made are. Iconic. It's, it's hard yeah. not to reference the thing that's done it before. I think it's intentional. Dude. I, yeah. It has to be intentional. Like I think the last of us knows, okay, our versions aren't zombies. They are different, but for all intents and purposes, like they are zombies, right? Like to most people, the last of us is a zombie show. Um, you know, it's fine. It, I, and I think that it takes a lot of, you know, influence from other zombie fiction and, and things like that and post-apocalyptic fi- fiction. So I, I definitely think the setting of the mall is intentional and um, I think you can't help but uh, compare it to uh, Dawn of the Dead. Um, I like this sequence as they are walking uh, through the mall. You get the Dawn of the Wolf part two poster uh, which I love, which is straight from the games, uh, kind of like a Twilight esque, um, you know, werewolf man falling in love with a woman, um, fake movie, because uh, they walk by a movie theater, uh, which you see a back in five minutes um, sign outside <laughs> of the were. theater. They they kind of obscure some of the movies that were playing. So I wish they kind of had. Um, I know in the Austin sequence in the first episode, it said Midnight Madness, I think, on one of the theaters. Oh, God, it have been great um, if it was here, Midnight I don't know, Me Train. <laughs> yeah. I don't know here if you caught, if you could read any of the, the films that were there. I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, so they're kind of walking through this mall, and I, I'm a sucker for this, and there's one reason why I love post-apocalyptic shows and movies. Like, I love seeing especially period ones because everything was lost in 2003 and the attention of detail there of them walking through this mall um and seeing all these stores and how they look like in 2003 they have a conversation uh, and i like these two these two girls who never really grew up uh 
pre-outbreak because Riley is uh, 17. 17 and Ellie is 14. So they both were born after the outbreak. So they'd have no context for a lot of this stuff other than things they learned about in school and different things. But you see that they walk by a footlocker and they walk by a Victoria's Secret and they kind of talk about the body shop. So they talk about what people wanted to steal in those first moments and loot during the first weekend of the outbreak before everything kind of really went to shit on the Monday, Um, which is very true to life. If something like this was to happen, you would see this where people would loot malls and stores and and I like their conversation of what people wanted and how that was so weird to them of like what was important to people during these first moments. And it's not necessarily what was important to the everyday person, but like what things people wanted to steal. And they were like, oh, so sneakers, but not soap. And then, um, uh, which I thought was uh, was interesting. And then they walk over to a Victoria's Secret, which hasn't been really ransacked because there were be no reason to have lingerie in <laughs> in the uh, in the apocalypse so um i like that conversation of them looking at this and going people wore this shit and just like and riley makes the com- uh the comment of being like i'm just imagining you wearing this and then kind of laughing and then you can kind of just even see on ellie's face there even of being like shut up and then just the look and then her kind of walking over to the mannequin and and kind of looking at the lingerie and then looking back and seeing her reflection. uh, Yeah. And fixing her hair as well. Yeah. So kind of first alluding to uh, the romantic feelings, Um, pointing out some of the, I'll go back to the product placement conversation I had in our original review, which was alluding to a lot of this stuff in this mall. Um, Again, in the game, all fake stores, they never you're just probably one not going to pay for the licensing on a lot of this stuff for a video game um the odd time you have real things like i said the etta james song is straight from the game and things like that but um having a real this being a live action adaptation and having real you know stores that you would see in a mall how they looked like in 2003 like i feel like just grounds it um in a way that um you know, remove yourself from again. I've, I'm kind of repeating stuff that I've said in previous episodes, but I really think, especially in this, because you have so many different brands and so many different stores, that uh, it never feels like product placement. It just feels like it's grounding you in the real world. Like this happened in our world. It's not a video game world. It happened in the real world. So when you see a Victoria's Secret, when you see a Gap, when you see a Panda Express, when you see Best Buy um, or Target, Best Buy or Target kind of things like that, it really kind of grounds you um, in the real world. So, um, at this point they walk over and you see a GameStop at this point, which is a little nod to video games. Um, uh, she tells, uh, Riley tells Ellie to close her eyes and she walks her over, uh, to a spot and says to open them. And there is this carousel in the middle of the mall with these gorgeous kind of lights all over it. Um, Ellie, you can say again, great lighting in this episode, use of lighting from all of the stores and um, basically the warm string lighting and that warm kind of orangey yellow light on a lot of things, which is juxtaposed with a lot of neon colors from the other stores and stuff like that. So um, Ellie mesmerized by the carousel, Riley turns it on. They go onto the carousel together. Um, the song that's playing, and- there's a um, a Muzak or, 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 score version 
of um, the cures, just like heaven uh, playing. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yeah. Okay. So it's the cures, just like heaven. Um, I'm going to write that down just because am I creating a playlist about all the music that's in the show? I am. And I try to make a note of each one, but I missed that one. So thank you. Um, they share a moment on the uh, carousel uh, where Ellie makes a joke about Riley being drunk. Um, I forget what it was in reference to, but she's like, not yet. Takes out the whiskey. They share some more on this carousel. It's just also a nice moment of, of, yeah. of like Levity escapism or, for yeah. these characters. Cause you know, we, we, we've talked a lot about this where it is mostly, doom and gloom and you always kind of know that it you know the show is going to pull the rug from under you emotionally at some point and to have a moment like this that is both somewhat surreal for these characters because they've never really experienced it in you know they've never had a a pre-pandemic or pre-outbreak time um to have something that is so you know much uh, uh, just a, a, a moment to themselves and a moment a quiet of, moment too right and yeah just... of, of 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 peace and perfection and 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 just kind of you know being able to zone out and and escape their daily grind like it just it's like you need something like this yeah. just to kind of again show that like these are the things worth fighting for and also the little things in life that make it worth living so yeah, because they just kind of sit on this carousel after they share some more of the whiskey and they kind of just don't even talk. They just kind of sit for a little while and you can see them kind of thinking and Ellie thinking to herself. Um, and then the carousel uh, breaks down uh, in the middle of them sharing this really nice moment. Um, Riley's going to go fix the carousel. Um, oh yeah originally she's like oh I'll, I'll go and fix this and then and then and they then kind of have Ellie, their yeah their conversation about um riley leaving and then riley reveals that um you know because yes, she's 17 the I was, yeah that she was given a uh, sewage duty and that she didn't want to stay and become a grunt basically yeah it basically goes back to i don't know if that was the actual conversation when i said do you want to be in control or shoveling shit but that was alluding to this you know, assignment that Riley got where, you know, uh, Ellie does ask Riley being like, did you leave because you could actually think you could liberate the quarantine zone with, with the fireflies. And this is when, yeah, Eric just mentioned it. Um, Riley reveals that, you know, she's about to turn 18, which is when you get your assignment from Fedra of what you're going to do. Um, and she was assigned sewage duty, which was literally guarding people who were shoveling, shit essentially and she's like that's all they thought of me is like that's all i could do so uh basically someone who believes in themselves more than just being someone who guards people shoveling shit and couldn't deal with that anymore which is why she ran away and uh trying to explain to ellie um why she did it because i think ellie's still hurt of why she ran away and didn't know right just left her there with fedra as she kind of ran away but you're also understanding riley's side who is a few years older which you mentioned eric and the differences there of someone who looks up to that person but also is in a different point of their life where ellie still has a couple years to figure out you know what she wants to do or whatever with fedra what she wants to do with her life (laughs) um 
and uh, Riley has to kind of deal with that in that moment. So yeah, it's a really uh, well played scene. It's, uh, Storm Reed uh, does some really great. good yeah. work here, and uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 been a good couple months for her because she was also the lead in uh, Missing, which is kind of a fun see. little yeah. movie um sequel or or in the same universe as uh searching with john cho um yeah it's 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 one of those moments where it's like you you begin to not only understand where the characters are coming from in in terms of you know that that divide but um the idea of you know fedra is basically giving work to do to, to adolescents. Like, you know, they're putting them out there in, in the field at such an early age, you know, and that's, you know, it might be sewage duty today or being a guard today, but then tomorrow you're, you know, tasked with a, a, a position that will basically, you know, show you as an expendable and, and somebody that is, that is, you know, willing to be sacrificed in order to, make way for the 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 officers or the officials so you you really do get why riley um left at this point yeah and she says the longer i was away the harder it was to you know come back after she left and and um she mentions like ellie was the only thing that she actually missed you know from that military school and you can kind of see a smile um from ellie at that moment um, so this leads us to her going, well, can I show you, um, some more of, of the wonders? And then Ellie sees a photo booth that is right behind, uh, the, uh, carousel. So they head over to the photo booth. Um, I like Ellie yelling, fuck you at the little bunny. That's trying to tell them what to do. <laughs> Silly rabbit um, photo booths are for kids. And I just like her kind of consistently always pushing back on authority even if it's a rabbit telling her what to do the star um, shop photo booth yeah um so she realizes that they don't have any money it costs five dollars uh to do it obviously riley is prepared for that she has a five dollar bill because this was part of her whole plan for the night um I like Ellie being impatient as well, being like, let's go bunny and hitting the button a bunch of times. <laughs> uh, this moment uh, ripped straight from the game as well. One of the best moments from this little uh, uh, downloadable content section of them taking these photos together. So um, I like the pure kind of adrenaline rush and and them panicking, only having three seconds to plan each um kind of pose and just the childlike nature of the whole thing and the friendship and some of those romantic hints as well like even after they take the four photos of riley holding on a little bit longer uh after the photos taken and ellie kind of pushing her off and being like okay that's enough kind of thing because still not knowing how to kind of uh go through all of this um I like them not understanding how the photos develop either and them going, Oh shit. Like thinking that they're fucked up, I think because they aren't developed quite yet. Um, but are seeing them kind of develop, um, just like their relationship is developing throughout this, Eric. <laughs> so cheesy. That's called criticism. That's called analysis. Um, that's really not, uh, so she goes, okay, more things to see. Uh, they leave, 
out of the uh, photo booth and walk through. You, Ellie starts to hear some noises and Riley goes, listen, listen. Um, and you hear some kind of pinball noises and some other things. Uh, Ellie gets excited, runs uh, past, and then we cut to this uh, fantastic. I love a pink and blue neon, everyone, as you can kind of see behind me if you're watching. Okay, um, you're pointing to your the, TV. <laughs> well, there's lights around. I know the there's TV. light emanating from behind um, it, or like, it, but like, which they, is they, the exact colors used at Raja's uh, arcade yes. in this shot. So it's a you know a wonderfully symmetrical shot of. Uh, Riley and and Ellie looking into this arcade with all these pink and blue lights, the noises that you would hear from a classic arcade, the pinball, the arcade machines. Uh, Ellie goes, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And then Riley goes, yeah. And then they, uh, they go in and Ellie wants to play. I forget which game she goes to first. Uh, it's not Mortal Kombat quite. Oh, it's Daytona USA, isn't it? Like the racing <laughs> yeah. game, uh, which I remember. Um, so the Daytona racing game. And she's like, oh, fuck, we need money. And then there's some bills on the ground. She's like, we don't need that shit. We need coins. Again, Riley's prepared for this. She knew exactly what to do. Uh, spills a bunch of quarters out from the change machine. Uh, Ellie calls her an asshole again. And she uh, mentions how she spent an hour the previous day to try to get uh, it open uh, so they could play uh, arcade games together. Uh, I think this is now when they go straight to the Mortal Kombat machine, right? Riley yeah, gets her we, over. We also and, do see some other games with, like, you know, yeah, you mentioned Daytona Galaga, USA, uh, Tetris, Attack Joust, from Mars. Yeah, Joust, Galaga, um, which I, I think based on be, this being based off of a video game, it's a great nod to a lot of the classics. Um, that, you know, we're getting a Tetris adaptation in a couple weeks on Apple TV. <laughs> so, um, an R rated Tetris movie. I can't wait. Um, we will be reviewing that here. If it's a video game movie, we'll be talking about it over on untitled movie reviews. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but they do walk over to mortal Kombat two, which is again, uh, a wonderful payoff to that episode with Joel, where they see the arcade cabinet in the farmer's market store as well as the poster on the on the uh the wall from earlier in this episode so um i'm curious to see like if ellie only knew of mortal Kombat through like riley telling her about it or through magazines maybe like old electronic gaming monthlies or she's like a things, big or fan of paul ws anderson's movie christopher lambert is raiden it's it's possible it's possible like never counted out right but like uh or was the Mortal Kombat poster on Riley's side of the room? It was, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so it seems like something Riley really loved and then told Ellie about. And then Ellie clearly has never played it, but loved it because her best friend loved it. So this is the first time Ellie has played Mortal Kombat. So you see them playing as uh, Melina and Raiden. Um, Raiden? Yeah. <laughs> S- is it, who did I, it's right it's raiden oh raiden okay whatever it, i say raiden you say raiden i say tomato you say tomato no but right but right but but it's spelt r-a-i-d-e-n you could say raiden from that it's raiden even in the song it, it, the, the guy says raiden. eric okay i said raiden it's raiden whatever <laughs> um raiden versus molina they share a couple flawless games victory. there of ellie trying to yeah not a flawless victory by me um but they Ellie trying to learn the controls. Riley wins. Um, they basically um, play a couple games. We see the fatality 
from Melina, which is something Ellie brought up to Joel in that episode of spitting the bones out kind of thing. It's at that this moment, which we get the most Stranger Things ass <laughs> sequence from this show, which is a slow pan out of the arcade, uh, which then pans into another shop, uh, which is a toy shop, I believe, right? With the looks like fucking Annabelle in the window <laughs> um, when they pan in. Um, and the creepiest looking toy shop where they pan over. And uh, to me, this just reminded me of the second season of stranger things that took place in the mall in the eighties. And with those, you know, it just reminded me of the most stranger things ass thing. I don't know if we needed this. I guess you need to establish that there is going to be maybe, um, some infected in this mall that are still around, but do you think that was necessary? Cause I feel like we could have just had the infected come in at the end and we didn't need this establishing shot or is that just me? I guess it? but but maybe you know you have this to to set it up and I and I think if you just kind of had like it burst in like at a random moment it kind of would be a little bit more jarring a little and, bit like where were they the whole time yeah. Yeah and and I think with with it kind of being I mean it's 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 overdone. Um yeah. you know it, it could have just been simply like you see, you know, them panning outside of the arcade and maybe seeing like a trail of fungus somewhere. And just know that, like, I would oh, have even liked like up. we've established that they're all connected. And if you step, like, we we haven't really used that all that much. Where you know, okay, they're connected through the ground, right? And if you step on a patch of the fungus over here, it's going to alert another one like i would have even liked something maybe even a little bit more subtle maybe it's still not subtle because you you hold on it or you see them walk over a patch of fungus that they didn't realize that they were stepping on or something like that and then if you're paying attention you know what happened there and then the payoff is that it it did alert some something that comes after them i just think the the slow pan out of the game uh, the arcade panning into the infected in the wall a little much for me um, and did remind me of something out of Stranger Things. I like Stranger Things. Very different show than The Last of Us um, where I would expect Stranger Things to do that where I'm like, I don't know. I think you guys could have done something a little bit more clever or subtle. And maybe originally they didn't have that in there. And then someone was like, it feels kind of random for an infected to run in. So we need to insert this kind of shot to prep audiences for it. Um Maybe it's something like that. So I don't know. Uh, we cut to them playing Mortal Kombat again. Ellie's able to do a uh, fatality as Baraka. Is that, did I pronounce that right, Eric? Is it Baraka? I, I think um, so. Fucking asshole. Obama? Uh, <laughs> Baraka Obama? Um, uh, he's probably long gone by this point. In, uh, uh, or maybe Obama's still alive in this universe. Well, I want to know if wasn't... Eddie Vedder's around. <laughs> Is he in the Seattle QZ? Well, that's what I mean. Like, if he is, then there's a way that Joel can still know how to, you know, play future days. So um, we'll see. Um, so anyways, Ellie's able to do the um, the fatality as Baraka. There's this moment where it almost looks like Ellie wants to kiss Riley at this moment. Um But then Riley kind of plays it off and says, come on, let's go do the next thing. And you can kind of see ellie hesitating and thinking again these again great acting from bella ramsey like it's a lot of the stuff that i 
said about Pedro Pascal in this series where the shot will linger on him and it's a lot of the expression in his his face rather than just outwardly um you know with just performing through words and I know that's a huge part of acting but both of them are so good at that I think and especially in this episode of them again if you if you don't know what's happening like I feel like you could go back and go oh it was there the whole time that romantic kind of thought through Ellie's head throughout this whole episode um you can tell that when she was sort of leaning in for the kiss or sort of thinking about the kiss and Riley doesn't necessarily pull away but might not have the same feelings as Ellie in those moments Ellie then gets frustrated or sad um and says like I, I think I, I gotta go they're gonna find me in like I'm supposed to be in bed soon so I'm just gonna leave or maybe she's doubting how she's feeling and doesn't know how to kind of proceed so she just wants to push Riley away again much like Joel and Ellie's relationship obviously not romantic in any sense um uh but you see a lot of similarities of you know when someone is pushing someone away because of their feelings for someone right and I feel like Joel with that fatherly kind of like you know thinking about his daughter and thinking about Ellie and doing similar things of just pushing someone away because they think that that's what's best because they care too much or anything like that I think there's some juxtaposition there as well but um and also yeah, she, he, he had experience with the fireflies as well so mm-hmm. yeah so um Riley goes, you don't need to be in bed for a while. You got plenty of time. Like she can kind of understand that Ellie is just trying to get out of this. I got you a gift. Um, yeah. She goes, I got you a gift. Um, it's Raiden. Thi- <laughs> <laughs> uh, new character in Mortal Kombat, Raiden. Um, it is Raiden. God damn it. <laughs> okay. All right. Whatever. Uh, this is when they walk through the food court. Um, I'll shout out uh, Panda Express, Thai Express, and A&W, which I don't know if that's... They do have A&W in the US, right? Like, I guess. Because yeah. like I always thought that was a Canadian Well, I um, thought Thai thing, Express but, was a Canadian thing, but... Uh, it might be, because like it is shot in Calgary, obviously, yeah. right? And Panda Express... I mean, Express, you forgot the most important one, though, um, as seen in the Red Dawn remake, Subway. Subway. Oh, we get to we get Subway. So any post-apocalyptic show needs a Subway. <laughs> um, the Subway, I will say, if I'm being completely honest, don't know if that's how Subway looked in 2003. That looks like a pretty modern Subway. The Panda Express looks pretty accurate for 2003. Um, but Subway looks weirdly sort of um, like the modern Subway logo, but maybe they already had that logo in 2003. I'm not a Subway aficionado. We also see a Starbucks coming soon spot in the food cart as well, I believe. So I'm Another always reference to Eddie Vedder and uh, Pearl Jam because they're a Seattle band. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I don't, I don't know anything about music. That's why I'm glad you're here. Um, they go into the very real restaurant, Macho Nacho. <laughs> um, um, I wish this was just a Taco Bell, personally. Like every food court isn't complete unless it has a Taco Bell. And I would have loved this to be Taco Bell. Although I could be wrong, it's been a while since I played Left Behind. This could be a direct reference to something like one I of the. <laughs> you were going to say what? it's been a while since I've been in a food court. <laughs> No, it hasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm frequent food courts. Um, 
I was in a food court two days ago at Yorkdale Mall after I saw um, uh, Cocaine, Cocaine Bear, Bear, which you guys can check out our, our review right now, which is over on Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, uh, Macho Nacho might be a direct reference to one of the fake restaurants from the game. I just don't. It's been a little while since I played uh, Left Behind. Ellie wonders if her gift is tacos. We kind of laugh about that. Um, they go into the back of this macho nacho, still wish it was a Taco Bell, um, where Riley has clearly been stationed uh, by the Fireflies. She is living in the mall in the macho nacho, uh, and she gives Ellie a gift, which is the No Pun Intended Volume 2 book, which I believe, is that the one that she's actually reading to um, Joel? Right, I think like so. Yeah. Reading the puns out of rather than the first one because she's probably exhausted the first one. So uh, she gives Ellie the gift of no pun intended. Volume two uh, tells her a cannibal joke uh, about the frustrated cannibal who threw up his hands. Very funny pun. Um, I think the best joke in the episode is uh, the screenshot pun. I, there's the triangle and square pun, but I, I love the idea that they didn't grow up with computers and before the outbreak so how does a computer get drunk it takes screenshots and like they're just like i i don't get it what are screenshots i think it's a cute bit it's a funny bit about um, hilarious them growing up it's no raiding uh, <laughs> fuck you um <laughs> at this point he's kind of ellie looks around the place and finds these pipe bombs that um that riley has been making um and ellie asked you are these to kill soldiers i believe is what she asks her um and she's like is this what you're doing here they posted you here so she questions like why she's at the mall so it wasn't necessarily something that riley found and thought ellie would love it's that she's been spending time here because of the fireflies and been living here which is why she was familiar with the arcade and played mortal Kombat before and all these kind of different things so and especially because of the violence aspect which is interesting because of how they've been playing up ellie of being kind of not of being more okay with violence um or even kind of wanting to be violent um but seeing maybe how her you know uh, perception of the world kind of changed after these moments with riley in this episode because she's kind of disappointed that she's making pipe bombs and wanting to hurt fedra um officers and things like that um so they have this emotional moment where she just like passes her the pipe bomb and then i i think this is ellie walks off and is it right away here where riley kind of tells her um they just get basically saying so they leave they leave the back of macho nacho and then um basically you have ellie wanting to leave and then outside of macho nacho and in the food court it's um her being like oh you know i i wanted this is my last night in boston they're they're moving me to the atlantic uh this is when she reveals yeah and how um she asked marlene the woman who um you know recruited her if um ellie Ellie could could come come. with her but marlene said no and um you know she was trying to find a way to say goodbye and then ellie coldly says well you just said it and then um ellie starts to leave 
Thank you. Yeah. So um, I think a great emotional conversation of Riley saying, like, I just wanted to, you know, I want you to come with me. And that's why I wanted this one last night here as well. Um, and basically Marlene said, you just said, Marlene said no, right? Because yeah. then we know that there's a history there as well. Um, so that's why she just wanted to have this last night in Boston uh, with Ellie to say goodbye. And then, like you mentioned, she just walks off. There's um, another thing now that that we've talked about this that uh, is kind of like a suspension of disbelief thing that maybe doesn't work completely. The 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 activation of the inf- of this infected. If if Riley has been stationed in this area for as long as she had, one you'd think that maybe the fireflies would have already scoped out the area and found this infected and killed it. Or B, you think that Riley's presence for as long as she had been there, because she's probably been there for at least uh, three weeks, two weeks at least, probably would have already disturbed or woken it up in some way. I think that's a great point uh, that I didn't really think of is like, because she's clearly talked about how she's played Mortal Kombat, right? Like, that's why she knows the controls and the fatality and things like that, meaning she's turned the power on and she's gone to the arcade and like, the noise, maybe it's from them laughing, is louder than the arcade noise, which might just be kind of white noise, background noise that wouldn't. You know, I agree with you that there's some suspension of disbelief there of like she wouldn't have alerted this infected, or maybe it was dormant until this moment because it, we do see it like growing into the wall. So it's been there for quite some time. It's but, been a while. Um, <laughs> no stained in this <laughs> episode, though. Um, unfortunately. Um, yeah, so I don't, I I agree with you there. And that goes back to me, you know, with, with what I was saying earlier of like, they maybe needed to work on that bit of the infected being here a little bit more. Um, cause it just feels convenient how it all plays out much like the guy falling from the, uh, the thing at the right time. Right. It's more for, Hey, we need this to happen. So forget everything, you know, that's how it's going to happen. Um, rather than it being like a logical kind of thing. Like, mind you, I, I understand if the Fireflies never even were at this mall. Like, it could have just been Marlene meeting up with um, uh, Riley and saying, now this is your area because we know it's not crawling with infected anymore. And maybe they missed one. But I do agree if she's been there for a couple weeks that it probably would have woken up, right? So, yeah. anyway. And also, if you're if you're um, living in a mall... And you're sleeping in the back of a macho nacho. Wouldn't you want to like look around and see if there's like a furniture store and get like a better mattress to like lay down somewhere? Because she's just on a sleeping bag, right? Yeah. But maybe one of the that's what like the Target's got to have some of that stuff, right? I know I don't think Target sells beds, but like you got to think that there's something, an air mattress, something in this mall. But maybe it's all raided. Raiden. Uh, okay. Um, Ellie's kind of mad. She's, uh, walking out. Um, but then she hears screams, um, as she's walking out. So she's worried about Riley at this moment. So she runs back. It's like, Riley, Riley, uh, runs into a Halloween store or like a costume thing and sees that the screaming is coming from a skeleton prop that is popping out of the ground. Um, and goes, what the fuck? And then uh, Riley clearly, you know, triggered it 
and goes surprise and lured Ellie kind of back, but is clearly uh, upset about uh, of what happened. And then uh, she knew that Ellie would like this Halloween store. So she's like, I, I saved it for last um, to show you. Um, I forget the details of this conversation here, but this is when Ellie sits down. Riley gives her the no pun intended gift. Um, they talk, they can, uh, Riley talks about having had a family and that even though she only had them for a short time, they were hers. And that was like the conversation yeah. of why partly why she joined the fireflies, because even though maybe they're not, um, the, the, the place to be or the people that, um, are going to lead the way in, in fighting against Fedra, it kind of felt like a family scenario in some ways. Right, where she didn't really have that other than Ellie at yeah. the military school. Um, saying, like, basically, like, Ellie thinks that she knows everything, but she doesn't know everything. Um, yeah. So then they kind of share this this kind of nice moment together, and then uh, Riley goes, here, I got one more thing. Uh, give me your Walkman. Or she stole the Walkman, She had right? the, like, yeah, and, and she's then, like, oh, yeah. um, I, you know, it's a good thing you came back. Yeah. Um, well, she kind of knew that she probably would come back or that was a reason for Ellie to come back. So even if Ellie didn't hear the screaming from the uh, the skeleton, I'm sure she would have realized that her Walkman was stolen, that she would have gotten back. So it's a clever thing by Riley to make sure that. Um, yeah. Yes, like Riley even makes a joke that I was definitely probably going to give it back to you. Um, this scene, like I mentioned, rips straight from the games. It's they put two sequences together, like the Halloween shop and the dance sequence are two separate things. You explore the the Halloween shop and put the masks on, which are straight from the game in a different sequence. They kind of combine both of those because the dancing doesn't really happen with the masks in the game. Um, but this sequence of them dancing on the glass, uh, countertop and, and them together to Etta James's, I got you, babe is, uh, straight from the, uh, from the, uh, the game. And again, a nice, uh, much like the carousel sequence, just like a, a nice moment between these two girls that we know is going to be ruined at any moment because they did show us the infected, uh, earlier, but just like a good moment of levity of them just being kids and, being friends and them dancing with these uh these two halloween masks on um one a being wolf a werewolf and, and a clown mask it would have been better um, if it was the clown face from uh twisted metal that would have been maybe too on the clown nose but um i think especially with twisted metal being turned it could have been if you wanted to keep the video game references but um just a, a nice sequence of them dancing. Ellie slowly stopping dancing, taking the mask off. Um, Riley going, what? And then Ellie going, don't go. And then Riley going, okay. And then they kind of share a kiss. Um, Ellie finally goes in, um, apologizes right afterwards. And then she, and then Riley goes for what? And then they kind of laugh together. And then uh, Ellie goes, well, what do we do now? And then I forget what Riley responds with. We'll figure she, it out or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Or, like it's, you know, no rush and what have, what have you, but little, uh, do they know? We uh, know though. Cause they clearly showed up. Fungus boy is coming in. Yeah. 
Uh, so they hear some noises. Uh, Riley pulls out her gun. Uh, and yeah, Fungus Boy, uh, which we'll call Raiden. Raiden runs <laughs> in, <laughs> um, uh, attacks them, um, grabs Ellie. Ellie stabs him a few times. They're running away, tackles her through some of the costumes and on top of them, uh, just a brutal sequence of him crawling all over him, attacking both Riley and Ellie. Uh, Ellie finally gets uh, Raiden off of uh, uh, Riley by stabbing him in the head. Um, and which again, I keep loving cause that's exactly kind of how they would do it in the games. Uh, when you take down um, clickers and things like that, I think and it goes back to that farmer's though. market again, um, right with the one infected who's kind of trapped under all that rubble and her stabbing it in the head in the head yeah of just knowing how to take them down um at this moment after she's killed him um riley's kind of looking distraught and looks down at her arm but then looks over at ellie um, no ellie ellie is the first one to reveal that she's been bit yeah but i think riley looks down first and then looks at ellie and then oh right right reveals that she's been bitten um and screams no um which is like we never see the bites happen again, which they haven't really other than the, like the creepy kiss with Tess. We haven't seen the infected actually bite anyone. It's usually revealed after, which I think always plays better. Right. Um, yeah. even though you go, when was the moment that it happened? But it's, it's kinetic and crazy. So it's, it's hard to kind of pinpoint the exact moment, but the reveal that Ellie's been bitten, which is the original bite we know Ellie to get. So at this point, Ellie does not know that she is immune uh, it's the first time she's been bitten. And then Riley reveals that she was also bitten uh, on the hand. Um, great acting from both of them in this moment, too. Um, much like Bella Ramsey's performance when, you know, the Sam and Henry, Henry moment happens of, uh, I think, just she's been great at these hugely emotional kind of moments of of both panic and, and just uh, pure fear. Um, at this moment, we then cut back to Ellie in the present um, about to open that door. So as Eric mentioned earlier, this whole flashback was kind of her memory of this last night, uh, you know, with Riley um, and her probably in that moment going, I'm remembering, which we'll see in a moment of her remembering that you can take the easy way out or you can basically, uh, you know, stay and fight or, or just figure this out. And, um, or, or well, have, enjoy the time that you have left. Right. Yeah. And like, um, the, the line being, um, we'll lose our minds together is like cliche. Together. It yeah. Sounds. Yeah, I know, but I think that is good, but you do. Well, no, I, I don't mean, Ellie. I don't mean, I think it's cliche. It, it, uh, Riley says, like, oh, oh, Riley says that corny. it's kind of corny. No, which I totally understand, but we do get like Ellie being, visibly angry about this and smashing all the stuff in the store. And then we get that conversation that you just brought up. So um, just juxtaposing this, the last moments with Riley fueling how Ellie feels about this moment with Joel, where she's running through the house frantically trying to find him something to help him with his injury instead of kind of just taking the easy way out. Um, And I think again, it, it goes back to every guest appearance and guest character we've gotten into this show fuels the motivations and fuels the character development for 
Joel and Ellie in that moment. And even if it's very blatantly showed to us and cut between them, um, I still think it does a great job of understanding what these characters are going through uh, in moment by moment and and why she ultimately stays with Joel and, and tries to help him and doesn't want to lose another person that she cares about and doesn't want to end up alone, which is something she mentions to Sam, which is her greatest fear and things like that because she's lost everyone. And it goes back to that one conversation she has with Joel. So um, yeah, they share this moment of saying like we could easily kill ourselves. It would be painless with the, with Riley's gun um, or the line that Eric mentioned that they can stay and lose their minds together. (coughs) It then, it then cuts back to Ellie in the present who runs through the house. She finds some needle and thread um, and then runs back down to Joel, which Joel seems surprised that she has not left Um, not saying anything, but obviously uh, in a lot of pain and in shock. And uh, there's a great shot of Ellie grabbing his hand and him kind of squeezing back, um, which I think, you know, the show has done such a great job at the slow build of the relationship between the two characters of them still being distant, still being distant. Even in the last episode, Joel's still trying to push Ellie away, but does care about her. And then you start to get the seeds of that as he finally, you know, she makes the choice to go with him. He makes the choice to continue the journey with her. And then, uh, you know, this happening, he's still trying to push her away, but she comes back and just that shot of them holding, like her grabbing his hand and him squeezing back uh, with whatever ounce of energy he has left. And then her performing, um, basically giving him stitches with this uh, needle and thread and sewing his wound up, which I hope she can get him some antibiotics because even Nevis brought up. She's like, did she disinfect that? I'm like, I don't know if she can. Nevis, I think you just got to kind of do your best in that moment and think about the consequences after. You just got to heal that that wound up. So Ellie ends up sewing uh, Joel's um, stab wound up. Um, and basically, uh, that's how the episode ends. Mm-hmm. And that is episode seven left behind we don't cut back to um riley turning we don't cut back to anything we just kind of know at that point we're caught up to basically you know where we were at the beginning of this show where you know we know what happened is like riley turned and ellie realized she was immune right and we don't necessarily need to see that um that very tough moment for ellie we just kind of know that she went through that and that is episode seven um of the last of us. Uh, thank you, Eric, for, um, helping me through that, um, breakdown again. Uh, I, I agree with you with the Joel stuff of like, there might be people being like, Oh man, we got to wait. I'm surprised with how many episodes that they kind of not remove Joel, but like they go, okay, we're going to tell you, you know, Bill and Frank or Henry and Sam's story or Kathleen's stuff. And, um, in this moment, Ellie's obviously the lead of the show as well, but uh, very little Joel in this episode and we're left to go. Can Ellie kind of save him? So we will find out with only two episodes left, right? Yes. Both directed um, by uh, Ali uh, Abassi, who is the director of border and Holy spider. Yeah. Um, and a little tease next week's episode is quite good. The next two episodes are, are, are fantastic. Um, but 
Um, if fans oh, of the we, game know we where, got a super creep in <laughs> the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> fans of the game will know what we're talking about. Um, and you'll know where this is going, but yeah, there's another great guest actor, uh, a couple of them. Um, actually in the next two episodes, there's like three, three guest actors, uh, two of them being, um, cameo ish, but still very, uh, uh, great. And then there's one guest actor who is just, uh, has one of the most disturbing and, and creepy performances of, uh, of the year. So I'm very excited to talk about that. Um, this show just continues to be fantastic. I am so happy how well it's doing on HBO. It seems like it's that in that seven to 8 million viewer range every week. And that's um, just absolutely wild. Just behind game of Thrones is um, viewership on HBO. So um, yeah, we're, we're nearing the end though, which is kind of, kind of sad, but I'm, what I'm excited to our see lives? Uh, I'll play the game over and over again and play part two. Probably I should play part two and let you, stream it or watch it just so you can get that and we'll both be on <laughs> live stream it on twitch um yeah just for you though <laughs> um and uh i'm excited to see what conversations we get over the next two episodes and and especially so our plans are we will be doing a breakdown for episode eight and episode nine which will be at 10 p.m eastern uh the sundays uh, right after the episode airs and then after the series is done we'll do a bit of like a spoiler cast kind of predictions on where season two will go and um we'll let you know if i'm going to include spoilers for the last of us part two in that or not but um we'll probably do a little bit of both in that just to kind of have an interesting conversation but um i love doing this show can't wait for next week uh please check out our other um podcast we do um untitled movie podcast episode uh 145 should be up or up soon this week where i talk about my experience going to disney world and universal studios orlando um we also have a review up for cocaine bear and ant-man and the wasp quantum mania so those are our newest reviews over on the untitled movie reviews channel uh, you can get everything over on YouTube as well as our one-stop shop uh, over on Letterboxd, which has all of our podcasts, video, and audio, uh, which is untitled underscore movies over on Letterboxd. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com, and you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. Until next time, it's Raiden. Bye, everyone.